This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Honeydill Comics. You can find us online at IamHoneydill.com. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pope Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. We're here with a very special guest and a very long-suffering co-host. Which one of you wants to introduce yourself first? I'm not GMB Kamichuk. <laughs> they know who you aren't. They know who you aren't. I'm, I'm GMB Kamichuk. Chasing Artwork. Hi there. I'm Ryan Harvey of Honeydale, I uh, suppose. Of Honeydale. So you are a confectionery sauce? Yeah, actually, um, I'm a dipping sauce that works well with uh, chicken fingers, yam fries, uh, some people will go as crazy as to put it on a salad. Um, so many people don't know about honey dill sauce, though. That's, that's like so a true. very, is it just it's Canadian Manitoba. or Manitoban? It's, it's, I like to say it's Manitoban. I'm I just kind of like talking, Manitoban. Uh, talking a little jive about that. but uh, Maybe we just want to imagine that we're that impressive. Why don't we talk about what Honeydale really is to you? <laughs> Not the delicious dipping sauce that international really listeners should definitely try. Oh, yeah. This is not a food podcast? This is not. No, we've <laughs> tricked you. Uh, Ryan Harvey is the mastermind architect slash yeah, like czar yeah. yeah. of the webcomic Honeydale, which you may or may not have heard of. If you haven't, you should immediately Google Honeydale. We'll wait. Tell us about your journey to webcomics fame. Webcomics fame. Um, well, I'll tell you about uh, my journey to webcomics. Um, I've been doing comics, like in comic strip form, for uh, a long time. Like everybody will say something like uh, since high school or earlier. But uh, uh, I've had this interesting kind of career journey where I've been doing, I've found a way to do comic strips in just almost every job that I've had since I was maybe 22 or so. Um, and like then working them into your job description? Yeah. Like figuring out a way to say, hey, you know what would be a great solution to this graphic design problem? Yes. A comic book. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. something similar to that. Yeah. Or even just doing extra work when no one is paying me to, to make comic strips. Like for, uh, for a while, I was an editor in a newspaper, and there was a comic strip section of the newspaper and I'm like well I'm going to make those uh, no one's paying me to do it but I'm going to make them because they can be printed and put in a paper you have the power to get yours in there too yeah right? exactly <laughs> isn't that isn't that fun um, so hold on you your first comics you just put into the paper that you were managing yes well <laughs> I, I wasn't managing it first you make comics you betcha now full time now full time, yeah. So, uh, so I made comics at a newspaper. I made comics at um, a, a, at an advertising agency, and starting uh, about three years ago, um, I was making web comics and putting them online. Name um, drop some of those for people. Oh, it was some of the comics that I made. Yeah. Um, well, they're all Honeydill comics, so like they're. Like, yeah, but they have uh, various. They have various like brands, like the King of Pie stuff, and well, that yeah. was just like one particular strip. That's what I mean, though. But right at like one point, you made the Honey Dill website and started posting there regularly. Yeah, and started to gain a following, and 
Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Starting in 2015 uh, was the first time that I was just putting anything online, um, just trying to make jokes that were like, I don't know, kind of influenced by a combination of like Gary Larson and Kate Beaton kind of thing. Like, just take Good 20 to 30 to years of like strip material and kind of just try and do my own thing. Um, yeah. And so it's been about three years or so now uh, that I've been putting stuff online and it's funny like I do have a following online of uh, people who follow the comic but um, but it did take a while like it there was a long time where I was posting stuff and it was hard to tell uh, how many people were seeing it uh, and what the reaction was and for a while in the beginning too I was kind of really seeing what what I was doing at all right like how why who there's so many questions I have that I want to unpack in that why did you keep going if you weren't sure if anyone was watching and why did you do it in public if you weren't uh -huh. sure if anyone was watching could you not have developed that craft on your own um, I wonder I mean part of it is stubbornness for sure um, where you know you know what kind of your goal is uh, and what you want to be doing with most of your time and you know that there's a learning and evolution process to that um, and so I guess as you're kind of as your work is evolving you're kind of trying to take whatever positives out of each piece that you're doing to try and get it to that place um, so as far distilling as the idea down and finding what works. Comedy is so hard, though. How do you, what are your know. indicators there? Yeah, I, I guess comedy is, I don't know if comedy, sure, it's hard. Um, but for me, uh, getting used to um, what I feel is like, what I feel is um, this format is just kind of, it's not just comedy, but it's just kind of um, being adhering and respecting the format in a way that is so you understand how even non-comedic like small strips work right but okay so coming back around to what i was getting at before uh which i did not articulate properly honey dill is almost like an anthology series because you have things like king of pies and me versus me and right. like yeah all like these garfield and john every step. yeah it's not it's, every it's yeah. there's these different right. sort of flavors and beats and tones and you know what kind of or at least if you read it semi-regularly you say oh it's one of these types of jokes or sure it's one of those types of jokes yeah how did you come across that as a why don't you have John and Garfield every day doing the same thing? I do wonder that sometimes, why I don't have <laughs> John and Garfield. Um, I don't know. I guess it's um, going back partly to that stubbornness where I kind of want um, to be able to just do something kind of on a whim, uh, even if it is completely divorced from some characters that I was using like a week ago or a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 of two minds about it because I really love um, character comics. Um, like it's so rewarding. So for the dear listener, unpack that what that means. Character comics. Oh, so like uh, if you follow a comic strip, well, uh, an easy one is just say Calvin and Hobbes, where you just love these characters, and the comic is sort of like a narrative arc that you follow, um, even if they're not super connected. They're kind of their overarching story is 
is part of a, a big piece. So by way of example, then, the far side, which mm -hmm. does not have reoccurring characters, just reoccurring sort of absurdities. How is that? Is there a, is there a name for that? Is there a, to the webcomic gurus, to the comic strip? Far side burrs? Yeah, they just call it <laughs> Farside. It's its they, own thing. Yeah, they're prolific yeah. enough that just Farside. I um, awkwardly have like been, uh, I've awkwardly been calling them non-sequential comics. Right. Oh, um, nice. But I don't, yeah, that's just kind of like, I don't know if that is a great uh, descriptor for them, but it halfway works. Um, oftentimes, single panel comics are like that, um, but I don't do a ton of single panel comics, but... Uh, I don't know, just the, the format is really fun, though. Um, it's funny, because I often, like, I'm, I'm really of uh, the belief that um, better art will come with when you give yourself restrictions or when you have restrictions that you have to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll finish a comic, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how many restrictions did I give myself here? Or right. did I just let myself go, like, go wild? Listen to the sounds. Hunting calls, mostly. Animals out for the kill. Some of them are cries of fear. You started doing Honey, Honey Dill. Um, you were kind of doing it without really knowing where things were landing or if people were watching. Do you have a moment or a story of when a particular comic really landed and got a huge online reaction? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, it, it's funny. Well, like, it, 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 it happens over and over, to be honest with you. Like, every time... And, I, and this isn't particular to me. I'm sure, like you guys and and everybody in this kind of field, um, has the same kind of feeling when you get something that gets some sort of recognition. And it, I don't know if you'll ever get to the point, if I'll ever get to the point, but it it always feels like a new thing that you're not necessarily expecting um, when something gets a little bit out of your reach, um, right. or if somebody just gives you a response that's just genuine and nice, because especially on the internet everything is so quick and short and bite-sized that even if something like some if someone likes something you it's like 20 hours maybe not even 24 hours and then people moved on, on to, to the next thing yeah exactly like yeah. you expect for the most part if it's somebody's like fool's gold it's like it just <laughs> glitters for a moment until yeah. you uncover it there you go fool's gold <laughs> um but uh yeah, like you expect somebody to just say, you know, ha ha, or, you know, just something kind of uh, surface level. Um, so anytime somebody says something like, uh, if, anytime somebody goes out of their way to like direct message or just give a response that's not even particular to a comic, but maybe just saying like, I really enjoy your work and it makes my day better or something like that, right. you know, it's just whenever something like that comes across, it's really unexpected and so nice because it's unprompted too, right? There's sort of a profound moment, I think, in your webcomic where it reached at the broadest audience it had in a long time. Sure. And that was the mental health all-stars. That was everywhere, yeah, that yeah, was great. like that swept the internet yes. briefly. Um, and while the imagery was funny, mm -hmm. I think that the message underneath it was more profound. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you came upon this? Yes. Uh, I will let other people say things like profound um, and stuff like that in regards to my work um, because it's embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> but um, that speaks to your character that you're embarrassed by your own accomplishments. But 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> people connected to it in a great way. So hold on. For the dear listener's sake, maybe the way to describe this is this is a um, single panel comic that visits all of these different characters who represent healthy lifestyle choices in the battle for good mental health. They're like superheroes. And they're like superheroes, but they're a little bit derpy and they're, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah, kind yeah. of, you root for each one as you see them because you're not sure if they're going to succeed, which is in a way, all of us. Yeah. Stuff see? like healthy, healthy eating, exercise. Yeah, what were some of the all-stars? Yeah. Tell us the all-stars. Uh, so you've got like social activity, um, sleep routine, uh, humor, those kind of things that are, for the most part, um, you can debate about a couple of them, but for the most part, it's stuff that's just like free that right. you can kind of seek out in your day-to-day -day life. And there's something like if you put <clears throat> 80s exercise armbands on anything, it becomes funnier. <laughs> Is that oh, yeah. in fact true? Yes. 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 Uh, 80s, even to the extent where it's, it's borderline like 80s wrestling attire. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like spandex. That this kind is of comedy thing. gold, is what you're telling me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, good to know. Rival <laughs> comic. <coming. laughs> um, that one was really funny though, because I think as as happens with uh, a ton of these kind of comics, you're writing on a schedule and trying to put stuff out on a schedule that you're kind of confident in what you're doing, but at the same time, there's always that moment of like, did I even do a good job? communicating this message or you know like yeah we're, how were you worried because the internet is the internet about talking about anything to do with like mental health backlash and people yeah, there was a lot of love for it but uh, with yeah, every yeah. bit of love there must be some backlash well that was how dare you sir <laughs> yeah. tell me how i should take care of myself <laughs> yeah no that's true um and that's kind of one of the funny things about it is i just like to that point, the comic was moderately uh, followed, uh, I guess. Um, and so I kind of made this comic that was, that meant something to me a little bit. Like I originally wrote, written down something on the, um, on my whiteboard that just was like um, battling um, depression. Like, is there something here like with the physical act of like fighting or battling depression? And so it kind of like, turned for a little while and then this came out but there are so many different ways that it could have gone that I was like what am I correctly communicating what I'm trying to get at here like at, at one point I was going to actually draw something that was repre uh, that that represented the void um, or like the, the the mental depression or whatever um, <clears throat> but it just kind of came together the way that it came together um, and I didn't even necessarily anticipate um, taking any stances or or anything about how it was going to be um, responded to because I expected like a few hundred people to see it to be right. honest with you like that thousands and thousands of yeah people. and yeah. if I and if I do something a little bit like if I make a mistake that I can own up to when a couple hundred people see it I'm, I can be upfront and just be like oh you know well you know it's just me doing my thing and yeah Nobody sees it, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of a weird, that's definitely a weird thing to overcome is just this thought of like, uh, what's it matter? I'm just who I am. Now right. you have like a responsibility. 
is there a responsibility that comes with it? Like telling everyone, hey, there's gold in those hills, and then they all show up to dig, and it's just <laughs> your gold <laughs> waiting? People are, yeah, listening. and Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird thing uh, to see people people listening. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a weird thing. So um, m uh, for, for that comic especially, my thing was I didn't really want to interject my voice with um, what people were uh, how people were s responding to it because <clears throat> one of the things that that came about was um, some people had said like oh why don't you include medication on this uh, on this poster um, and at first my thought process or my thought was um, that's totally valid um, and I think there are a bunch of other things on the list that are also valid that don't get on there like you could make a list of you get hundreds different of things. Ones. Yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, you've, you've, there's a ton of things that I didn't include, but I didn't necessarily want to interject my voice a ton because I think the response to it is an important part of the conversation. Yeah, like right. the, the uh, fact course, that yeah. people can say, "I think that it should go in this direction," is kind of part of the whole um, point, I guess. Yeah. If if. If all it accomplished doing, I think it accomplished more than that, but if all it accomplished doing was a few thousand people spend a few days talking about what constitutes good mental health, yeah, even the things you left out actually maybe helped fuel that discussion. Sure, yeah. In a way that, you know, you didn't intend to, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, like a declaration by omission, which I think people find. As soon as something becomes viral, like as soon as it's shared by thousands and thousands of people, everyone now wants it to have been perfectly executed because it must therefore mean this. Yeah. Um, That's an interesting thing too with, um, what is it, uh, some people refer to it to, to like, um, like an on-demand culture, right? Where you can get anything you want whenever you want it. And so your, your critique for things that you consume takes on this weird kind of level of um, specificity, right? Where you want it to be personal to you, yeah. Which doesn't represent me, then I don't want it because I yeah. can build this echo chamber that represents me online. There's less of a, I yeah. guess, communal experience where you're like Pretty taking things as they are. Um, but people still do that, but but it's definitely something that is alive more so now than ever. Is just this expectation for something to please you personally. Oh, every time you. Touch me, I go out of my mind. So in, um, in Buddhist philosophy, there's this notion, there's this idea of a thing called a tulpa, which is essentially translates to this notion of a thought form, right? Yeah. And one way to interpret these thought forms, like when you meditate, you should create these tulpas and these thought forms can, you know, in some people's belief systems, they can uh, perform actions for you, right? And so, you know, MKUltra program stuff, you know, dug into all this kind of stuff for a while. Um, and this is on my mind because it's research for Minus Institute stuff. But there's this other aspect of the tulpa, which is a thought form that people can, it's a shape that people can fill with their expectations and ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these uh, viral funny videos or these viral like sort of potent single images become that for people online these tulpas they want it to be their flag their standard their their thing that means so much more than what it's being shown um and you got to be that for some people hey yeah there right? you go and i think that that's a uh you know 
this is when I say profound, this is what I'm talking about. Like maybe you didn't intend your funny little uh, 80s wrestling attire mental health heroes to mean that to people. But now that they do, what's your follow-up? You know, do you have a responsibility to just do what you've been doing, which is not thinking about it that way? Yeah. Or do you have a responsibility to say, okay, I should give people more of what they clearly need? If you think that way too much, things tend to fall apart. Yeah, I think yeah. probably. I yeah. mean, you, you, Justin, have run up against many viral success stories. Um, that sounded like a medical talking. <laughs> That's not how I meant it. Well, yeah. What's what's your response when when something becomes more popular than you expect, or you know, let's say you do ten pieces and one of them is just is is gangbusters compared to the rest? Does that how do you how do you react to that in terms of like do does it affect your output for future stuff? Do you kind of... And before you does. answer, let's keep the answer into the artist's arena. Not the, you know, what would make good business, we should always follow yeah. up and give people... But let's just, okay. let's be more... I, I've got a good answer for this one. I think like whenever I do a particular piece, in my mind, there's three other pieces that could go with it. Um, for example, right now I'm working on this huge old god deer, this old, it looks like a, a, a big deer god kind of thing and it's, it's like a uh, looking down at this little pagan hunter. monster kind of yeah, yeah I've seen it yeah and cool. I've just had a lot of fun making it and if I put it up online and it gets a huge reaction I've got kind of thumbnailed out on paper and in my mind three other kind of old gods versus little people pieces and in the past when I've had like a resounding success with any piece that usually just prompts me to do those other three pieces that I had planned along. So you respond more, you come with a set of things you'd like to do and you let the audience decide whether it's worth your time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How about yourself? How do you do that? Well, well it's funny because it, it kind of, it can differ, but one example uh, from kind of recently is um, I did this comic maybe a couple of years ago. Um, called uh, the bad news bear um about this like that one yeah oh, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. it just shows up and tells that me what stuff panel. they don't want to hear yeah oh man yeah and yes, um, i i i really loved that one and people responded to it as well but the funny thing with it is i wrote it and um it's the it's it's the one where um somebody at the end is uh facing like a a, a murder trial and there's um a jury of nothing but bears um <laughs> and I remember writing that one and I was really happy that it got a good response but at the same time I was like I, I, the well is dry with this one like I just I don't know what else to write yeah. like the yeah. bear uh, is trying to uh, frame this guy for murder we're like what do you what else do you do <laughs> and so I just kind of left it for a long time and then so it was like a combination of these two sides of you with the character and then the non sequitur suddenly being at odds yes yeah for sure um and so it was like a couple, a few weeks ago, I finally did another Bad News Bear comic and it was great. Um, but I just had to overcome that hurdle of like, what is this even now? Like after the, like what, what direction do I go with it? So hold on, you brought this up in contrast because it had such a strong response online. Like people saw it a lot. And so it yeah. changed how you 
started well, to see it. It didn't change how I started to see it. I guess I, I, I was really appreciative. Like I liked that people responded to it. But uh, as far as like, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of what Justin was saying with, with like having three pieces in mind because like I did not have three pieces <laughs> in mind. I had the one piece in mind. And then I'm thinking about after that a completely different piece. Um, so yeah, just that's, that's the way that one turned out. So you're, hmm. So when you're making up, okay, so I'm going to back this up a little bit and say we talked about these restrictions that you place on yourself that you find are useful for making new work. What are some of those restrictions? Um, and how are they useful? For me, um, there are some super just um, practical restrictions, which uh, the first of which um, making sure that it fits your dimensions that you need it to fit online. Like, for example, Instagram, making sure that it fits the Instagram format, Twitter, Facebook, all that Physical stuff. Physical dimensions, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that goes in a little bit to it um, as far as... I, I, this is a poor analogy, but I'll equate it to like if you want to get a show on television, um, let's say it's like a short comedy or something like that, you need to edit it so that it's approximately 21 it's right, minutes yeah. mm -hmm. and so that commercials can go into it, all that kind of thing. Yeah. If you make something that's open-ended, that just continues, has some random length, maybe it'll air on um, basic or on uh, public access. Right. It's why shows have a cold open. Right, like so many of those dramas, they have that little thing that happens just before the first commercial. Yeah. Right. There's yeah, like yeah. a five-minute little bit where like Mulder <clears throat> and Scully aren't in it. It's just some horrible, you know, latrine creature. Yeah. And you're like, what is going on? And just to put the hook in you. Yes. Right. They there's show the murder and then they solve it after the commercial break. Yeah. There's a formula to it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so but that's the shape of the, like the shape necessitating the content. Yes. So there's a certain amount of that that you just have to accept. Like it, there's nothing bad about it. It's just the shape of the whatever piece you're making. Right. In my case, the shape of whatever I'm making fits on these social media platforms. So I, I'm thinking about that first just to see layout wise, what can I do? Um, to start whatever joke or whatever cartoon I'm making. Right, because if it's tumbling down, if it's an up and down yes. interaction, it's a different type of punchline than if you're going scrolling left to right. Yeah, and I've, I've been guilty of, uh, of just writing a comic that's just kind of a joke idea that's super long. Like, you have to scroll through a lot, <laughs> um, and it doesn't fit anywhere. Like, on every platform, I'll have to be like, just go check out this link. It goes to something that's way too long for anything. Um, and uh, and that's nice to have the freedom to do that, but that's I guess that's kind of the play between like, do you want to actually make it for the f for the platforms that you're on or or not? Like, I, I I'll probably still do both um, for a long time, uh, be just because that urge is always there to make something that's that's wild and expansive and doesn't fit any proper boundaries. So you also have a specific format, your 12 by 18 end goal of having art for sale. Does that yeah. change your um, concept of a piece? Because um, you have to kind of do it as a done-in-one. I wonder in one. about that every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the, yeah, I usually have 12 by 18 either vertical or horizontal layouts, which is kind of a standard 
whatever the like those that ratio is is kind of like a standard one I feel which for us is good to have at shows because it's easy to frame yeah people can find frames so that the end point of it being on your wall is easy to achieve yeah right? but every yeah. once in a while like I kind of break that mold and have like a really long piece or yeah. whatever and yeah um, you just let women fancy dictate such things I try not to yeah play by that rule if if the inspiration hits that this will work really well as one long piece, I'm, I'll I'll follow that. Very good. We have done well, Nadia. I am pleased, Princess. You are satisfied. So when I always thought about doing web comics, in my mind, the end goal was to get such a threshold of material that you're going to print it into a book. Yes. Like have you know, you're doing all these non-sequential panels, but eventually you'll have like the far side book at yes. the end of it kind yes. of thing. Yeah, because the old <laughs> model of revenue was you would serialize it in the newspapers. The papers would pay you something. And then if you were lucky, a, a publisher, a pittance. Well, no, you could get yeah, pretty they would, great they living. They would pay you a, a, a yearly salary yeah. that was living. Yeah, was a but living salary. those days are over now. So, um, <laughs> right? You used yeah. to uh, get some money from the newspapers who would then, what's that called? Uh, a pittance. Syndication. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for knowing the real words. It's almost like you teach at an institution that does these things. Mm -hmm. um, so syndication would lead maybe to publication. Publication would then give you a little bit of long tail on the comet, some longevity in your work. But all of that is burned down, and we're in the future now. Uh, yeah. So what, how do you make money? How can you possibly do this full time? Um, an interesting question. Uh, and that... Um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. That even um, changes depending on, like, when um, the kind of crater that happened with newsprint happened uh, around 2000s, um, that atmosphere that webcomic artists came into is already over. Like, it's mm -hmm. already whatever webcomics were 10 years ago. Oh, However you made money on it then is different already now, different yeah. now. Um, and it will continue to be different. Um, like um, a lot of the web comics that I read when I was younger, they got um, a fair amount of money from, say, like um, advertising on their website. Um, like click-through advertising. Yeah, click-through yeah. advertising. Um, there were fewer of them at the time, so it was easier for um, a good web comic to get a, like a huge following. Um, and now there are so many more different kind of smaller but interesting um, opportunities for monetization. Um, one of them that everybody is on right now is Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, so that is totally dependent on your uh, following and how, I guess, engaged they are with you as a person and an entity that they just want to see so do as a well. person who is terrible at patreon Originally this podcast of, was directly tied to some kind of patreon uh well no what <laughs> happened is i had built up this branding idea for my super pulp science magazine and then since i had that already and someone was like you should try a patreon i was like oh well i could use all this for that too and then i'd have a podcast that connects to the patreon that connects to a print 
thing and wouldn't that be grand and then a um, giant publishing opportunity landed in my lap which overruled all of those all those hours like we're talking about the restrictions that you have yeah. in life some of those restrictions are the simple hours you have to work so sure I have endeavored or I endeavored this year to be much better at feeding things to my I have 11 patrons or something I'm sorry patrons if you're listening well I'll go ahead and say myself that I'm terrible at patreon um, <laughs> so uh, it'll be two terrible people giving each other advice. Uh, <laughs> the name of our new podcast. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, no, I, the way that I do it, um, is a little bit different. A lot of people will do kind of the tiered, um, what do you call them? Like the tiered support levels where you get different kind of, uh, perks for being a supporter or being a patron. Um, for mine, um, I like that idea, but I was a little bit nervous about having so many different things that were funneling through the Patreon, like worrying about, okay, at this level, I can, I'm going to have to hand draw some things and send them out. And at this level, like people right. get a discount on whatever. Yeah, like it every project suddenly has 12 different versions at the end of it that you need to pump up. Yeah, which is yes. what you cautioned me. And I was like, I'm going to start a Patreon. You're like, don't do it because you're going to have to do all these things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You oh, also yeah. have 11 yeah, yeah, Patreons. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. I, okay. yeah, we're I the same. We're the same at being bad at Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I opened it up maybe a month and a half ago or so, um, and I need to be better about um, promoting it, but I'm also kind of, I want to build up the library of stuff that's in there so that people have, like, that that value of signing up for it right away where they can see a bunch of yeah my reluctance i guess about patreon comes from this notion that you're paying for a promise yeah and i mean it works some people fulfill those promises expertly and patreon is amazing for them and for their backers and this is not me saying patreon is bad this is me saying that my use of the tool yeah uh, isn't good i think because i produce work sort of in these gluts like sure. I'll produce a giant amount of work and then I need to like sort of be fallow for a little while. Yeah. So I can't just drip it into the Patreon the way that Patreon works best. Mm. Or, or if you do, it takes a lot of, it does take extra effort to, yeah. like if you're working on a long project, like stop for a little bit each day yeah. and document whatever you're doing. It feels like a never ending Kickstarter. Yeah. Like you're always having to feed your your supporters and yet as a freelancer yeah. where you're constantly basically every day as a freelancer is another day for a job interview sure where you're fine like i'm fine to do that yeah but for some reason i'm not fine to do it that way on patreon and i don't know why it's a block for me it's i don't know i get it help me guys no i get it and <laughs> and, an and for uh, for a similar reason what i did with mine is i just made it so listen, whatever you get, like whatever the perks are for my Patreon, whether it's um, some, you get extra sketches, you get some comics that don't see the light of day, whatever it is that I post there, you get it at any tier level. So whatever, whatever you, you want, oh. whatever yeah. you're willing to give. Yeah, 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 whatever you're willing to give, you'll get access to this feed and I'm just gonna put up there whatever works. Like I'm gonna try and do a good job to put a lot of stuff you wouldn't otherwise get on another platform. But so yours is actually the best deal on Patreon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, do check out Honey Dill on Patreon. Let's see if we can get you that twelfth or thirteenth. Okay, so but we're talking about ways you get revenue. You're yeah, doing yeah, this full yeah. time, you're not doing it off of eleven Patreon. No. <laughs> Patreon. No. Um 
Okay, so uh, uh, some other ways that you can make money. Um, open a storefront uh, if you have stuff that you can make into merchandise, right. uh, whether it's posters, um, shirts, books, stickers, whatever. Um, if you've gotten pins. into that. Yeah. Have gotten into yeah, pins yeah, yet? Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, yeah. Um, see what you can do opening a storefront because the larger your audience is, the more likely people will want to actually own something of yours because they get to own it and they get to support you. Um, and certainly for longer um, or for um, for readers who have been with you for a while, that makes a lot of sense to them. Even for people who who haven't been with you for a while, if there is one particular piece that you have that just speaks to them, it's similar to if they were to walk up to you at a show and they see that piece. Sometimes it doesn't matter who you are. Right. Um, or like people's favorite single on an album, right? They'll never yeah. listen to the rest of the album. They just want that one thing. So that's a good one. Um, if you can build up your audience to that level and actually have something available at all times for them to purchase off you and support you in that way that is a great way to to go about it um, another thing that I think or at least in my opi opinion web comics are more and more becoming is um, kind of a stage for the artist uh, mm -hmm. I'll use another super broken uh, crummy analogy um, it's similar to me. Just to two horrible people giving <laughs> each other advice. Yeah, on our new bad episode. advice. Yeah. Um, it's similar to me to something like uh, like stand-up comedy, where there's not a, as many. There are a ton of comedians, but not a ton of comedians who are going to say, "I'm going to be a super super successful stand-up comedian." Because right. there aren't that many super successful stand-up comedians, but stand-up comedy is the uh, the art that they're kind of trading on. Right. Um, but what they're doing is they're using it to um, get out there, build their skills, put their name out there. Um, so similar, similarly in web comics, um, it's great. Like you can be a writer, you can get your stuff out there, you can um, you can put out books, and hopefully, if you've got a um, a good readership those books were, will sell but something that isn't necessarily like something that you don't monetize but is very valuable is just getting your name out there taking so that you the can, stage you take yeah. the stage you practice your craft in front yeah. of an audience yeah yeah so that you Random can do when a joke lands you do yeah you, you think about why yeah so you right. can hopefully do other things you don't necessarily always want to do work that is related to this one particular thing that you do so I would love to, down the road, get involved with um, maybe making a couple of like children's books or something like that. Um, not directly related, but right. some people might know my name because of this yeah, other Yeah, so when you pivot into that, you have this built-in audience. Well, that's yeah, what you yeah. did. That's let's, what I'm let's doing. Let's put yeah. the spotlight back Still on doing? Justin. That's what you're doing right now, right? You're known for, online, you're known for a different thing than making kids' books, but the kids' books. That was always the plan. I think I stole this uh, from Scott Campbell, maybe? I, I'd heard his kind of strategy was he did like seven years of conventions, like nonstop. He did every single convention that that popped up, and this was in the early days of conventions. And at the end of that seven years, he'd had enough of a, a following through Marvel, and now he had gone to like this, he'd just done this huge tour, 
then he was able to step back and basically every book or every project that he pumped out, he had this huge audience. He had done the groundwork touring. For it. Yeah. yeah, we're back to being a stand-up comedian or a, like a band again in our analogy, right? You got to tour, yeah. Yeah. build yeah. up your audience, yeah. and then when you put out the album or the book or the whatever, people yeah. show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a it's a way that um, or snake oil salesmen also do yeah, the same thing. There you go, right? going from town to town. Town to town, <laughs> right? Do you ever repeat customers with, with your <laughs> ointments? Well, that's the trick: is that we're hopefully we're not selling things that will t- that people will be mad about later, so we can't return to their town. Right. Although sometimes, right? Sometimes I'm sure that's true. I've only ticked off like one person. Just so one. Just one. If you're listening, person who <laughs> Justin. I, I sold a couple prints to, uh, I believe it was a couple in Montreal, and I think they bought four pieces, and I accidentally get, gave them, uh, instead of a Ghostbusters print, I gave them, like, an Aliens print or something like that. So after the show, they emailed me and said, like, you gave us one of the wrong prints, I'd still like the Ghostbusters print. And I have yet to ship that off to you them. You I know, I feel horrible. This was, like, in July, too, so... <sighs> I, sim- yeah. I sympathize. It's it's tough. Like when you're in person, you kind of want that to be like a closed off experience. You it's know, done now. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, <laughs> and then you, yeah. And then they find you. How do you know where I live? I saw you on the street and followed you. You guys are both. This is better for you because I'm not at that level um, online at all. Um, Gregory says, as I look over at the table to 140 books that he needs to ship off. No, to that's different. No, that's different because that's a physical. That's a physical thing. Like people know what they're getting, and they can read a little about it. They can read a review about it all through third parties, and then decide, yes, I want that. And then they come to the point of sale and they get it. What I'm talking about with you guys, right, is this um, kind of like surface tension that you have to maintain with your online presence, right? Where you constantly, like, you're always uploading stuff. You're always uploading stuff. Um, I'm gesturing madly at both of them, but um, if this was a TV interview, it would look really great. Um, <laughs> and have to be wearing pants for that, though. Yeah. Phew. Yeah, just don't need it here. Yeah. Just a couple of guys giving bad advice without pants. Um, how do you... <laughs> the, uh, the podcast keeps evolving. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. It keeps evolving, right? You got to put it on the whiteboard. No, what I'm saying is you guys have the surface tension you're trying to maintain. Do you ever just like get tired of people being able to reach you in all of these different arenas? Do you feel like people can reach you? I feel like I, yeah, there's a lot of emails that I should reply to that I just kind of leave. My uh, Facebook pages has this horrible thing. It guilts you. Um, as soon as you log into your page, it shows your response rate and how long it usually takes you. So if you have a crappy response rate, it's like you reply to like 50% of messages and it takes you like four days. Like that's not great. I was just on somebody else's Facebook page. I feel like it was yesterday and I saw Facebook was telling me what their response rate was. What? what? I hope yeah. I don't want other people to see that. Oh no, I can see people's response rates. Oh no. Yeah, everyone can see that. Crap. You thought that was just a secret? I everyone was kind of hoping that. that was just a me thing. I didn't realize. No, everyone. They it's shame not going to change things. I don't think I should have to, like, I'm not in this to, like, reply to every, like, if I take time to do that all the time, I'm going to take less time to make artwork and pump out the reason that people right. follow me. And I hope most people understand that. Yeah. I have the same experience on Facebook right now as I used to have on MySpace before I stopped using MySpace. 
Right. Like I was just. What was your song? That used to be the internet, right? Like yeah. everything that you went to could possibly play a song on, that you don't want. Yeah, that like, you don't want. Right? But what fire. I'm saying is that as an online space, yeah. that space is my least favorite to visit. And I, I don't get any joy when I go there. Um, and it's mostly targeted ads that come at me when I'm there because I'm not on enough. Like their algorithm is that like if you're constantly interacting with your friend group then that's who you see but if you're not constantly interacting all the time with your friend group because i don't have the app on my phone then all you see is the ads that are waiting for you when you arrive and it's becoming very exhausting hmm. yeah so this has become about me again i didn't mean that i want to know about you guys stop deflecting this how do you deal with being reachable so much you're out there you're way out there I don't know. I, I don't feel like I am super reachable still. Um, I will reply to people, um, and sometimes it takes a while, um, especially if it's not necessarily urgent, but somebody just wants to say something. Um, Isn't the currency of social media interactivity? And if you don't do it? If you replied immediately, though, then that would like kind of tarnish the prestige of like this mysterious webcomic guy that's too important to <laughs> reply right away yeah but, but, but see <laughs> well, so you're talking about these books so like you know when i'm doing the work with the baby metal fans in the baby metal community uh, my the way they reached out to me and so the way i responded was then on twitter i found myself using twitter way more than i have in years as a result of getting these messages but there's this arm's length it almost feels safe somehow yeah there I mean, they can, you know, people can find my email if they dig hard enough, but they're just, they want to have that conversation in public more on that. And I don't mind it. I worry, um, to a certain extent, I worry, like you can spend all day just wasting time yeah, and, and, in a way that makes you feel like you're working. It's very close to work, yeah. but yeah. it's more so just observation. Yeah. Um, like if you're just checking Twitter, like all whatever online um and sometimes i i I don't want to be super interactive on every platform because you get that feeling oh i worked so hard today i respond to 150 people but But i didn't didn't actually do anything to your portfolio exactly you didn't actually do the work that this whole thing exists for right um so yeah it's crazy how much time that stuff can take out of your day um so yeah, I guess it's trying to be as good as you can about it. But Is it getting to the point where it'll just be like TV soon, where there'll just be people who make content, but you can't reach them, and you just tune in to watch content unfold? Yeah. <laughs> well, it will be interesting to see where it goes, because it changes, uh, it changes all the time. It changes every year. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if there's anything that I want to do with this new Instagram TV yeah, I've seen section. it a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've think about that too, but I don't. You know, short of giving them direct access to my everyday life, which I don't want to do. Yeah, right. it's really boring. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah, also true. <laughs> but no, but because, um, but, yeah, you know, you need to you need time away from people to do your own thing. Yeah, that's that's no, away the, from an audience. You need time with people, but you need to be away from an audience. That's the interesting thing about, um, I guess, being online in this way where people want to share your experience but i mean i don't know sometimes you feel like your experience is just 
pretty dull, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally true. Yeah. It's exciting to you because you are doing it. You get to do it. Yeah. But sometimes if I'm not like, if I don't post a picture, say like on my personal Instagram or something like that, of just the way I'm living my life, it, it's kind of this weird feeling of like, it, I'm enjoying what I do, but I don't want to be, I don't want to share too much because it's just, I don't know. Most of the time it would be pictures of my office. Yeah, you want to be pre- almost like kind of precious with their time too, it feels like. Like I don't... But then isn't that just a lie? Aren't we just... Oh, I wouldn't lie about it. I, I would say you're not seeing this because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this notion that we have to only show these like interesting things because that's what people want to see. But then that's not very social because it's not honest. That's true. Right? But then that comes back around to these flags, these tulpas, these web comic like platforms where I don't go to see web comics that I find funny because I want to know what you had for breakfast. I just want the joke. Yeah. Right. And some people are like that too. Like I'm, I'm a fan of a few web comics online who where if you follow any of their accounts, it is, you can barely get any personal details right. or find much out about that person. Um, and that's one way to go about it. Um, yeah. There's, there's other people that, yeah, it's very much a personal and a professional. Here's my artwork. Here's what I had for breakfast. Yeah. Here's me. Yeah, doing yeah. this, doing that with my family. And some people like watching that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For the, the people who it, from it works for. Yeah. There is. It's a two-way street, right? Like they get something back from it because there is like a t- not a twenty-four-seven, but like. Uh, interactivity that is going like every day almost um, but that's too exhaust it just sounds exhausting are you really ready to stop loving me I'll need you even when no emotion exists okay yeah. so then for the dear listener who has heard that you have left your day job for the glamorous life of being a web comics we don't want them to think there's gold in them their hills we want them to know that the practical um, aspect here is you need multiple streams of income you need to make work on a regular schedule you need to keep to that schedule and not fall down the hole of the internet. Mm-hmm. And you need to, what else? Oh, and you need to s- probably still work other jobs. Right. Um, so you do freelance work on the side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't even, I can't recall if this was even intentional, but I did the thing that people say is the smart thing um, when you're going to be venturing into freelance, which is have it in mind for maybe a couple of years before you do it. Um, and work your full-time job kind of preparing for it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you can even do it while you're at your full-time job with the notion that at some point you're going to make that leap. Um, and so getting yourself personally uh, and financially ready for when you make the launch. Um, yeah, like someone I knew when I was teaching, they volunteered for every committee. They volunteered to sit on every council. They volunteered to do every parent. And I was just like, what? why do you do this? And they said, I'm practicing because I want to go into politics. So oh, this sure. is a way that wow. I can be better at my job and be practicing. Yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah we all have it in our mind that just one day you quit in a huff and then you start from scratch <laughs> yeah. this like new freelance or new company or whatever. That's the yeah. fool's gold of it, yeah. right? It's yeah. It sparkles, yeah. so you think that's enough. Like, that's how it's portrayed in movies and TV yeah. and... I think a lot yeah. of us growing grow up think that's kind of how it works. Yeah, but that's not how it works. Nope. No, it, it takes a lot of time. Like even if you're, 
even if you're super good at something right out of the gate, it's still going to take a lot of time just for like, um, I, uh, it kind of reminds me of, um, I think it's the Grammys that have, uh, like this new artist award and almost every year the joke is like, it's an artist that people have known about for years and years. Right. right. Like I think like if arcade fire won it one year and yeah, and, and, and we're like, Oh, okay. Well like five years ago, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what it feels like doing any kind of freelance thing is like people will consider you new three years from when you start. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, that's what I, that's happening to me right now. People yeah. are like, ooh, this new, new emerging yeah, this new comics guy. Novel. Oh, he's so neat. I haven't heard of him before, and it's yeah. just because I have my the, the equivalent of the of the uh, All Stars poster, right? Like yeah. people have finally seen it widely for the first time. My work and are coming back to say, hey, what else does this guy have? Yeah, and they don't like all of it. That's the other thing, right? But people, I think, have this notion that if you get into the creative life, like you said, that this spark will just light a fire and the fire will just rage and, oh, you've been reborn in the forge of this new life. As opposed to if you want to earn like a doctor, you have to work like a doctor. It takes more than just a montage to a catchy 80s tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've tried so many times just to force that montage. <laughs> just, <laughs> just put music on really loud in the background. Punch a few things, run up some stairs, put on <laughs> yeah. a headband, and then you yeah. hope your life is new again. Yeah. But it just doesn't work, right? You have to you have to work at it and it takes time. And people want to graduate, you know, like they forget that if you go to school, it can take years and years to graduate into your profession. And they want to leave one profession to go into another. Well, you have to graduate into it. Yeah. Right? Would you say yeah, that's yeah fair yeah i think so like uh, what did your graduation day look like then i don't know what did my uh, i don't know if i would put a graduation date on it you know it's just is it still coming do you think maybe but it always changes whenever your date is and something happens it'll move to another date um that's the the thrill of of the demystification of whatever you do, right? Right. Like, yeah. So having a, you know having a book in every Barnes and Noble in America does not ensure that you'll ever have one again, right? Right. And it's that thing of you know if you're if you're going to be excited about whatever your goal is, let's say you think your goal is like two years away, and you're really excited about like yeah like a book in a major store. Yeah. And then by the time two years rolls around and you've got it in there you've just gotten so much closer to that goal that it seems like it makes sense. Right. Like two years before, it would have been so exciting because it barely makes sense. Like well, and if it takes two years to get a book into a major store chain, um, then at the one year mark towards that goal, you know it's happening. And now it's just the labor of making it happen. Sure. The decision's made, so it's happening. Yeah. So you have to set a new goal. Yeah. Because getting it into the stores isn't enough. That's all. That's a foregone conclusion at a certain point. So you just yeah. have to be on to your next thing. Yeah. Right. And hope that it will work. You got to keep chasing those projects. Keep chasing those projects. Yes. Great product placement there. Chasing artwork. Brand well, awareness. Bra- <laughs> God damn it. I need a logo. <laughs> uh, well, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, where we've talked about... Um, how you can make your thoughts into reality. Look up tulpas, they're great. But before you do that, look up honey dill. Can you make honey dill sauce and sell it? Like branded honey dill sauce? I, I have that had a couple people happen? ask me about that. Oh and a I few would, terrible people giving each other <laughs> bad advice <laughs> with their hands. 
well, yeah that'll be that that'll be my next goal where like two years from now i'll uh, i'll have like sauce and that'll be <laughs> that'll be the the thing that on the back of each <laughs> oh sauce my container. goodness but the sauce containers have to be small so you get a different comic experience every time as they run out on purpose it's perfect right yeah except for the environmental impact of all of those small containers it's a great idea well okay so i'll need to do glass yeah i'll have i'll, I'll need them to return the jars to you uh, i have to figure out this infrastructure mm -hmm. yeah Tune in next year <laughs> on Super Pulp Science, where we will bring back Ryan Harvey of I Am Honey Dill and his sauce empire. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, and we're having trouble ending this episode. So I will just say, join the fight and make comics. Ooh.